everyone. Welcome to Blind Men and an Elephant. These are your hosts, Neeraj and Osho. This is a podcast where two friends discuss a whole host of ideas that range from across the spectrum, from economics to culture, politics to sport. And we hope to bring our fresh perspective to things that are happening around us. We live in times where there is an information overload. So this is our attempt to make some sense of the noise. You can listen to us on all major podcast streaming apps and of course on YouTube. You can check out all our links in the description along with this episode. So without much more deliberation, let's begin today's episode. The Precariat. So, Osho, um, I was listening to a podcast of anthropologist Jason Hickel, where he was discussing global inequality and what changes in society we've been seeing as a result of this. What are your thoughts on this? Because we, we happened to discuss this uh, podcast episode early on. Yeah. So what has struck both of us is the idea of the precariat that has been discussed. And we heard, in fact, Guy Standing. And his lecture on it where he was describing what exactly it is and what the theory behind it and all of that is. So, I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. So, without much further ado, uh, Osho, you just mentioned the precariat. Yeah. What is the precariat and how does it affect us? So, the precariat is a class of people, a group of people who have emerged as a new social strata around us. After we have seen the best and the worst of globalization. So back in the day when industrialization happened and we saw large scale factories and industries come up, especially in the developed world, there were broadly two classes. Those who owned those industries and those who worked at those industries. That was the the owning class, the bourgeoisie, as Marx would put it, and the proletariat, those who worked. But now, with globalization, what a lot of people have found is that those who are generally seen as the working class are now not even what you would call the proletariat, but are in fact in a more difficult situation, in a more precarious situation. And that precariousness is why the term precariat comes in, because there is a significant amount of social and economic instability that people in this class experience. And that's something which I think is worth discussing about, especially in 2020. Okay, so that's interesting. So what you're trying to tell me is that um, in the past, when the proletariat used to exist, we had a specific class which basically was called the labor class or the proletariat, right? And, and this class was characterized by working in places like factories, working in, on, on, on land owned by someone else. And, and what I distinctly remember is they were characterized by having some kind of union power yes. and, and unionization, right? Uh, and, and that seemed to be the basis of the proletariat, wherein, uh, and, and of course, going back to uh, what Marx used to say about like, the, the, the workers rising up in revolution against the people in power. This 
class was defined by their ability to unionize, get together, and then topple the existing power structures. I'll take you. I'll just stop you here, and I'll. I'd want to go two steps before that. See, when this industrial class that we saw coming up in the eighteen hundreds and the nineteen hundreds, what we saw for the first time was a large number of people who became wage earners. So. I mean, our history books in India would tell us that before the British came in, we were a lot of people who did handicraft work and did our own small businesses and stuff like that. Or you would be employed on your own farmland where you would work. But then came this whole structure where you went to work from nine to six, earned a certain wage, and then you retired at age sixty, and then you took back something. that was the whole structure and within that structure of course was the union because the union gave you say a minimum wage it gave you protection against some horrible things that would happen to you in the factory it would give you better pensions working rights holidays all of those things so that is where the discussion around what labor would do and what labor would get in the world was at and then came globalization so that's where that's how i see this very interesting so if i were to just think of it in today's context right immediately would you then say that people running small businesses or small entrepreneurs would they also be then part of this precariat or is this slightly differently uh, uh um, characterized like because you mentioned right like back in the day it was all about getting that salary mm-hmm. getting that fixed amount of income which you which you work towards till the end of your life that you enjoy some what of a retirement uh phase of your mm-hmm. life right so what you're telling me now is that increasingly there are a number of people who don't have that yeah. fixed income number yeah. one and number two it also means they do not have security in the long run yeah of jobs of of capital yeah. of politics yeah. of any kind of sort yeah and what your therefore my corollary here is does this also include a lot of these new generational entrepreneurs or freelancers that we see all around us and would that also include people who say offer their services as graphic designers but don't often know what their next job is going to look like what what then becomes a part of the precariat in today's world right so i think that the precariat much like the working class of yesterday does not have its own capital and i think what is equally important to understand i think is that it also does not have the access to that kind of capital that we're talking about hmm. so yes um some freelancers and some um gig economy workers will definitely be a part of the precariat but i don't think entrepreneurs would come into that because there is there is opportunity for them to create assets for themselves to tap into large pools of capital that exist in terms of venture capital investments uh, the equity market all of those things but i'm i think we are again going ahead of ourselves i think what we are seeing is that and and i here's a here's a random thought tell me what you think a lot of the times when you talk when we when people talk about the american dream what is the american dream that or in fact i would think the dream of any average middle class um household what is it it is that my children should have a better future 
and Absolutely. a better standard of living than I did. Absolutely. Right? In terms of looking at it as a mobility, as economic mobility, as social mobility, that's what usually your life is geared towards, right? As well as, as well as just a point to add, there would also be the potential to have some kind of leisure. Of course. Which I definitely see as a different thing in our generation right. versus say in the 1980s or the yeah. 1990s. Yeah, yeah, no, so that's what I'm saying. Um, That kind of future prospects, better future prospects that you would want to look forward to, I think that's where the precariat gets a raw end of the deal because the precariat often does not know what's in store. And rather I would say that more and more people today, especially of our generation, 20s, 30s, they just don't know what exactly their future is going to look like. Hmm. So, are you, are you, are you in fact having um, any kind of social mobility? Are you going to get the kind of rewards that your parents' generation or your grandparents' generation got out of this whole experiment that was globalization, that was liberalization in India, the Gilded Age that we've spoken about, that, that, that people have spoken about in India at least you know so that's that's where i am coming from so in to put it to put it to put it simply the precariat can range from people who have migrated from villages in india to cities in hopes that they're going to get a better job and end up working as people um, as swiggy uh, delivery people as zomato people as uber drivers etc etc all the way up to people who have gone to college who have gotten degrees from reputed or not or, or any university but they have a bachelor's they have a master's they have some kind of skills that they can speak about but they don't know what's out there for them in the job market firstly and secondly also whether or not they're actually going to get any kind of stability because if you look at it from say 20 30 years back or in fact even our parents when you talk to them about it they'll always wonder what kind of a salary contract are you are you employed under, right? <laughs> and are, are, you, are you going to are you going to get your provident fund, your insurance, your um, pensions, all of that, or are you just like somebody on a contract? Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. Yeah, and and this brings back so many memories of conversations I may have had with my elders, or so to say. Um, no, absolutely. And I think you raised a very interesting point uh, there, which which I want to ask you a little bit more on, which was um, that these are people who are educated. Yep. These are people who have degrees. These yep. are people who may be even highly educated. Yep. They might have bachelor's degrees in, say, science engineering, yep. or they might even be somewhere master's degree holders, right? And, and that's that's an interesting one because traditionally we're all trained to think that, okay, the, the downtrodden or the lower classes are always people who've, you know, essentially suffered across the spectrum and not had access to any kind of education and so on. Yeah. And yes, while we can debate on the quality of education or in, you know, X institution versus Y institution, this is something that I want to actually uh, ponder on a little bit more is... What does that look like in India? Like in India, we do see um, uh, an increasing num uh, number of people belonging to this precariat. Mm -hmm. And then v we're all aware of the disguised unemployment yeah. problem in India, yeah. where 
where traditionally you have people who've done say PhDs or masters and they're applying for jobs which which are very clearly below their level of I was, education i was just thinking about this recently there was a there, there's been a lot of discussion around unemployment in india and one figure that struck me was that 20 30 40 lakh people 2 4 5 million people have applied for 200 jobs 300 jobs for what to do what to be clerks to be um railway engineers to to run railways to be ticket collectors these aren't high skill jobs these aren't jobs which require you to go through the kind of academic rigor that these applicants have but 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 look at the drive for some kind of security look at the drive for some kind of some kind of semblance of calm and peace in your world which is what the government job today gives you and to put and 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 to put that in perspective why is it that that's happening why is it that millions of people literally millions and billions of people are applying for government jobs in india because in a lot of places these government jobs are probably the last bastions of security that you have hmm. that let's not go into questions of efficiency um of of clean of of clean business models of government none of that simple point is that people want at the end of the day the guarantee that on the first day of the month i'm going to get my check i'm going to keep Absolutely. some aside for my school uh, my, my kids schooling and have some say something safely aside if if my house breaks down if if my if if my kid gets a heart attack any of that right all of that Yeah, yeah, all of that does not yeah, happen abso- right absolutely, now. Absolutely, Osho, and I think you brought up an interesting point of uh, about security, right? Like, yeah. take take what what's been happening for the last few months in the world, right? With the COVID crisis, we're increasingly seeing, and and I'm sure you can relate. Where we've seen our own friends and family members, etc., going through this sudden loss of a job situation, or people who've just gotten out of MBA colleges, like the most premium institutions across the world, and suddenly they're faced with this uncertainty of of finding a job, and and then where does where does that bring them? That brings them to this place of of uncertainty as yeah. to what what is next what is my career ladder look like what what is it that i'm going to do and and some of these people might have debts they might have obligations but suddenly all of that has been thrown out of whack and and increasingly every day i see people who are super qualified applying for um like an internship or something and 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 i'm i'm all for internships and there's nothing wrong with doing them but but say doing an unpaid internship at 22 is is different from doing it at 28 when exactly. you probably have a lot of uh, you know responsibilities to 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 meet out within your family within your uh, you know whatever it is that you need to do and and that's where i i see a it's a massive worry and and i see that at a large scale in india i see posts every day on linkedin where you know people who are like you know i've been working in this field for 10 years 12 years i'm highly qualified i have all the right uh, qualifications and you you actually see these cvs they're not lying it's not sure. it's not a lie at all and they're applying they're literally like i'm desperate for a job give me any opening and they're literally dming people or yeah. uh, you know chasing after people yeah. for any kind of jobs they can get yeah. and and this is this is what it looks like in india and 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 i'm pretty sure i appreciate that that might be the case across the world as well um and and that's 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 really scary yeah you know neeraj what i want to 
go at from this and this is something which is in fact the last word that you said is what i want to take forward this is scary mm-hmm. this is scary um this makes people anxious i have been very anxious i'm sure you have been very anxious um this makes people uneasy and it definitely um affects everyone at a daily level in terms of how they can just lead their everyday life mm-hmm. and that's what i want to think about i want to think more about what what is it that that anxiety does because there are there are some very simple questions that everybody asks right if they don't get a job if they don't get a good enough job if they don't get a good enough salary what is it that you wonder as an individual yeah you know you 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 wonder am i good enough for this am i worth it you're absolutely right that, I, that's like the first thing that comes into your mind right, right? Yeah. am i worth it um is my worth this yeah right absolutely and and this is what i think is happening a lot more today in 2020 covid or not yeah. i think so maybe the covid crisis has sped this up i think the covid crisis in general has just sort of put everything into perspective as well as it has brought things that were sort of lurking in the background exactly. to the forefront i think that's what's happened across the exactly thing. absolutely exactly and i think what tell me something about what you think about this anxiety that happens in people what what we've seen around us yeah. sort of bubbling no absolutely osho i think the first thing and and this is this goes hand in hand with a bunch of articles i've been reading as well about how um it's it's probably a byproduct of capitalism wherein what's happened is your worth mm-hmm. is now equated to your labor entirely almost entirely and and somewhere what's what's happened is in that relationship it's it's almost like therefore if if your work means your worth it also means your lack of worth a uh, work means your lack of worth i'm going to stop you here what do you mean by in the world of capitalism this is how it happens what what is it that this structure that you think um sure governs this sure so in a world where there are essentially free markets in a, where, a world where the profit of enterprises is almost always at the forefront of everything wherein which then leads to efficiencies mm-hmm. or or personal efficiencies being the being at the forefront of every kind of evaluation by that what i mean is you as a person are always judged based on what you're contributing to the bottom line of that company yeah, i mean a human is a resource exactly a human is a resource absolutely i couldn't have put it better right? right yeah absolutely and and i mean we've been seeing it all our lives right where you have uh quarterly or half yearly reviews where you know essentially you have kpis you're measured against and it's almost like okay you did xyz and now you will get bonus or okay. you will therefore be retained or whatever it is or right? kicked off yeah yeah or kicked off absolutely so and 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 having these systems in place um uh, of course there are some benefits that come off it except I'm, i'm not debating that but what i'm saying is over time this is built in its own thing that what i was alluding to earlier which is me not having a job or me not having the job that i deserve to have in courts which mm-hmm. is something that i studied for or mm-hmm. i apprenticed for or i've prepared for now therefore 
to me it seems like it would lead to a whole host of anxiety mental health or depression kind of yeah. issues where where effectively you're telling people that you know what you're essentially a failure because you've not set out to achieve what you were meant to achieve again yeah. in quotes yeah right and and that's 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 something that really again scares me for lack of a better word right um what do you think i agree with you because i think that there's been a lot of conversation around mental health depression um just taking care of yourself which and, is great yeah. which of course it's important yeah and i think that has also something that has also come to the fore because of the fact that these anxieties are all around us mm-hmm. and and you know what i've been thinking about is that that and i want you to give your perspective on this because you've seen some of the whole startup ecosystem do its thing is on the one hand this anxiety leads to people doubting themselves and all of that but on the other hand we've also seen the development of what is known as hustle culture right mm-hmm. where because everything is so haywire around us because everything is so chaotic and because well you have to be driven and you have to have goals and you have to sort of get that mobility going for yourself you have to hustle you have to Correct. make not just make ends meet but you have to push yourself into getting to somewhere and that's something which maybe brings you to hustling what do you to, what do you have to say about hustle <laughs> yeah no no absolutely you're right and 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 that's where we see people who actually make sense of all that noise right they're mm-hmm. the people who uh essentially are okay here are all these problems and let me be entrepreneurial and yeah. solve these problems by as you said hustling right but the important thing to note about hustle culture and and i think that's something that could flow into our next segment of you know how would you want to protect yourself against yeah. these sort of uh issues around around you right is that the thing with hustle culture or the thing with entrepreneurship is it may seem like you know a whole host of random things that are happening yeah but more often than not it is people who are taking very systematic very um you yeah. know calculated steps towards making a better future for themselves or for the world in the sort of mm-hmm. results they want to achieve through their hustle right mm-hmm. now what what would that mean like for example right if if someone wants to uh raise capital as 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 a entrepreneur it's not like it might seem like oh they're approaching all the vcs in the world mm-hmm. and and you know they they went to five meetings and they went to 500 meetings from the outset it seems like you 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 can just quantify the meetings yeah. but what goes behind the hustle mm-hmm. is is also that acute thing of okay i want funding and i know the purposes of that okay. right why do i want that how do i go about it they actually put in the time the research the understanding mm-hmm. so that they when they reach those meetings when they actually achieve those targets that they set out to meet they are doing it in a systematic manner where they're targeting the effort and not just the goal so but okay tell me this what do i have to be or what do i have to do to myself for me to be capable of doing this hustle what i'm thinking and what i'm hearing from you is that i can't be a one trick pony i can't go to an engineering college learn coding hope that i'm going to get into a tata and infosys a mahindra 
and sit behind a computer and write like streams of code every day and then hope that i'm going to be sort of hustling in this world right oh absolutely i think i think the you're right like i think the first thing about this is building a skill base which is varied right like you want to be able to see think of going a little bit back in our discussion where you said humans are now a resource yeah so a resource in any kind of thing you would want a resource which is very malleable you yeah. can use it in different situations you would want a resource which which can be uh, you know changed or uh, modified with minimal effort yeah. so therefore you also need a human if- resource that is that is capable of doing multiple things which means that you, now that that difference of oh if you go in science degree you can be a great coder but no one expects you to have great language skills or mm-hmm. write em- emails or you know be good at communication yeah. that's not true anymore right there are these sort of these plethora or this platter of skills or these uh you know soft skills as well as some technical skills that that almost everyone today and yeah. and even more so tomorrow yeah. would need to know to sort of succeed in this sort of in this world where you know just having one skill will will simply not suffice you know neeraj that sounds like a lot of pressure it does i won't lie yes. that sounds like a lot of pressure and if i haven't had a job for a year yeah. probably if i've seen rejections around me if i've seen entire factories shut down entire industries go bust like we've seen with the hospitality industry for example hmm. how am i supposed to do this how am i supposed to be four people at once my question is is that fair for you to expect of me some people might do it some people are geniuses some people are really phenomenal in what they do and how they contribute to the world but everybody can't be that yeah yeah you know that's absolutely what, i mean you just you're spot on there right like uh, i cannot disagree with you um and and then i think that's where the role of as traditionally uh, where you always had a welfare state or yeah. you know you you always had the public sector the government coming in that's where a go- the government needs to play some kind of role right. now what that role is actually i would want to ask you about like what your thoughts on that are but my contention here is yes if the whole economy or everything is evolving the concept of a welfare state also evolves right and that would mean something that fits well into the this scheme of things rather than traditionally being oh we will do something like a manrega Yeah. Or, or you know something else i'm not yeah. saying there's something wrong with that but mm-hmm. you know that's what i'm saying so it would evolve to mean something new and what are your thoughts on what that could mean here um so i think before we get to that um one little thing that i wanted to talk about as a digression mm-hmm. is what kind of a world do we see as a result of these anxieties that we talk about because that world and that contestation of anxieties that whole this whole chaos of everybody being on the edge is exactly what's going to drive our politics that will determine this welfare state right mm-hmm. how how our politics are is is going to eventually lead to what the government is going to do for us correct right so my thoughts on this are that we're seeing a very clear polarization in our world today this polarization has led to two groups of people who probably don't listen to each other at all and both have their own anxieties 
what's common between both these groups is that they don't see hope is that they see that they're nervous and they're uncertain about their future one group is sort of doing a politics of the past in the sense mm. that my past was great give me give me that back you know i want to go back to that time when i was in a much better place mm. another one which is probably looking at the past and saying hey i've never had it fine yeah so give me something better going forward at least yeah and one and the first one we've talked of the the first one that we talk about is obviously those who have had privileges in the past mm. who've come from say a white background in america or in britain or in europe where they've seen that 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 europe is just for them without um, without immigrants without outsiders without any of that kind of stuff that they fear and the other side is a lot of minorities is a lot of people who've always been um disenfra- disenfranchised from the system so then they've seen and they've developed a politics of hope which started probably with occupy wall street is now um manifesting itself with people like bernie sanders Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez mm-hmm. all of these people so that's what i think what do you think absolutely i agree with what you're saying and to me it seems very clear like from what we've seen in the upcoming us election as well as the indian election that happened last year and 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 many other elections across the world is that increasingly there is a third class of people which is not the traditionally two um, classes that have always been catered to by political systems right which is either the very rich capitalist who own um you know own means of production own power own land etc and on the other hand the sort of very downtrodden unionized uh, maybe the farmers etc and, and and there is essentially a, a very very large growing populace in the middle which needs representation which needs to be heard if nothing else humanely just being spoken to as an equal or as a as an individual and i think right now the fear is that this whole section of society doesn't have a voice or doesn't have a representation in yeah. in the in anywhere in the political spectrum yeah yeah in the sense that politics because of how it is can often get toxic it can often turn people off and just not be positive for people and just sap people or engross them and fill them with negativity very often regardless of what camp you're in that can be a very toxic space to be in which is why um somebody who just talks calmly who says things as they are and of course promises some kind of hope is something that you want to look forward uh so osho okay now considering all these factors that we've spoken about right what do you think a government in the future which say in a perfect world cares about the precariat in the way that we imagine mm-hmm. what do you think they should be doing and what is what is the direction they should take in the future look i i look at it sort of simply in the sense that a lot of the times the anxieties and the insecurities that people experience at the individual level come from some very basic needs and wants that they have mm. the need to never worry about um the next meal the need to 
um, have decent health care where if I have something wrong that has happened to my body, something somebody is looking after me. Um, in today's time, education for sure, good, decent public schooling. So I think at the very outset, at least a government which promises to take care of all of these things. And I know this sounds sort of vanilla and boring and, you know, I, yeah, okay, everybody is going to have, like ask for better schools and better hospitals. But the thing is that there has been a lot of conversation around different models of healthcare, different models of education, how much does the private sector have to play a part in it and all of those things. I just think that that discussion just doesn't work today. Hmm. That discussion cannot go on any longer. We've seen umpteen number of people suffer so much because they can't get a bed. We've seen so many kids, especially in India, drop out of schools before they were supposed to. We've seen just so much deprivation because of the fact that their their jobs are uncertain and that's why everything else just doesn't work. So I think that at least reduce the anxieties, mm. at least reduce the insecurities. You know, maybe I'm sounding too, too utopian. Maybe I'm sounding too, I don't know, I'm sounding like a lefty. But yeah, it, these things I don't think should should be worried about anymore. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think I agree. And I think these form the most basic of human needs. Like yeah. just the ability to have some kind of mental peace yeah. i think is 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 very underrated and, yeah. and 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 it's a very important need in yeah. today's world right um and yeah i think i think that makes absolute sense um this 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 would be a great place to start yeah i definitely think yeah. so and i think a lot of people are now also coming around to the idea of a basic income mm-hmm. um just giving a stipend to every single individual and i think even in india we've seen different forms of it being tried. Like, before the 2019 elections, the Indian government gave every farmer some money. Um, During COVID, they have promised certain um, classes some money, like widows and um, people with disabilities and all of those things. They've been given money, um, just cash, straight in hand. And the government, in fact, even boasts about the... Jandhan Aadhaar Mobile Trinity where they can directly transfer money into your bank account if you're a poor person. Of course, um, a lot of people have been discussing a universal basic income in America, even here. So that's also something which I think is a direction we can think about. Would you want to give our listeners any kind of key takeaways, like like succinct takeaways from this discussion as to what they should be thinking about while they wait for our next episode? Um, two things. One, and I've done this for myself. Maybe this is, <laughs> maybe this is too naive, but I have told, I've continuously told myself that things that are going wrong with my world and with my friends' lives, probably it's not their fault. It's not my fault. Very often, things can get difficult, and it's important to understand that often things are difficult because of reasons outside yourself. So I think that's important to say very often, even though it sounds like a simple thing. And secondly, I think um, taking from that is 
just i would like to just tell people that you'd want to be more involved in how the world is being run in just knowing what people are doing what governments are doing what companies are doing what social groups are doing just just be clued in be informed and that's about it awesome that was, that was great so uh just as a closing th- thought do you have any recommendations for our listeners uh in terms of anything they should fun that they should watch or read or listen to so, this coming week so i think um up until the first week of november we are going to see some crazy fun in the <laughs> us elections oh damn yes <laughs> the us i mean uh. donald j trump is going to give some great entertainment yeah. up until election night maybe even after we don't know what's in his head maybe he thinks he's losing already so he's just taking off his mask and just roaming around the world like he's the boss because maybe he's just the boss for like a couple of months more who knows i'm not going to be predicting this one because we were all wrong the yeah, last we time yeah uh, <laughs> but that's that's what i'm going to be entertained by because living in india uh, you can only wish that donald trump is somebody else's president <laughs> so that so that that steady stream of entertainment is there but uh, yeah please look after yourself donald what about you awesome so i'm actually going to link back to something i said earlier in the podcast about skill building etc so there's this great book i read called atomic habits by james clear uh, which i found super fascinating because it goes down into the science and it breaks down the the process of habit formation and and i think before you decide okay these are the skills i want to build these are the sort of um uh, you know new things that i need to learn this gives you an important tool in your arsenal which is uh, the discipline and and the and the habits that go behind uh creating these new skills and adding them to your own uh, you know kitty so so i think it's a must read for everyone who looks to sort of improve themselves awesome okay So that's episode 1 from us. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye and take care. Ciao.